This is the Truth Hurts Program with Steve Z. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Truth Hurts Program, Tuesday, November the 14th, 2023. Just about halfway through the second to last month in this year. Which means Joe Biden's third year as the most disastrous president in our history, maybe other than Garfield or Carter, is coming to an end. That means we still have a full year before the 2024 elections, and I am putting money on it. Joe Biden will not be the Democrat candidate, or if he is, and if by some strange occurrence he wins, he will not remain in office for more than about six weeks before he either dies or it's revealed that he has already died and his surrogate just seems to disappear, or he is 25th Amendmented out, or he resigns because of what we all know, his massively failing health. But let's not get into that right now. Let's get into some headlines, shall we? Federal judge delivers Second Amendment victory. A U.S. district judge has ruled against the federal pistol brace ban, stating that the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives has overstepped its authority. Sound familiar? Anytime Democrats, liberals, progressives, and one-world-order types think they have authority, they always step over and beyond that authority. The ruling applies to the entire ATF rule affecting millions of gun owners. The judge found that the plaintiff's case will likely prevail, meaning the ATF rule will have to be struck down. The court is certainly sympathetic to ATF's concerns over public safety in the wake of tragic mass shootings. The rule embodies salutary policy goals meant to protect vulnerable people in our society, Judge Matt Kaczmarek wrote. Referencing the Mock v. Garland case, Kaczmarek said, As explained in Garland, the controlling law of this case is that the government defendant's promulgation of the final rule fails the logical outgrowth test and violates the APA, therefore it must be set aside as unlawful under the APA. Additionally, ATF admits the 10-year cost of the rule is over $1 billion, and because of the rule, certain manufacturers that obtain most of their sales from the stabilizing braces risk having to close their doors for good. The ruling, of course, was welcomed by pro-Second Amendment groups. The ATF rule mandates that owners of braces take one of five steps, including turning in the entire firearm with the brace attached to the ATF. Gun rights groups have been critical of the ATF rule, calling it unconstitutional and an overreach of executive authority, and now a federal judge agrees. Thank you for keeping your guns intact and not cowardly turning them in because now you would never be able to get them back. The Democrat National Committee is touting Bidenomics at work just mere hours after a new poll shows that just 24% of Democrats say they're financially better off with Biden than they were with Trump. Joe Biden was speaking about gas prices to the South Court Auditorium on the White House campus on Wednesday. The new Financial Times University of Michigan poll just out indicates that voters do not approve of Joe Biden's job performance on economic issues, and even Democrats say that their financial position has worsened over the course of Biden's presidency. 
31% of Democratic respondents say Biden moved into the White House in January 2021, and they have become either somewhat or worse off. And only 24% of Democrats claim to be better off under Biden. Voters are generally markedly less optimistic. A combined 16% say that they are better off under Biden. 32% they are somewhat worse off. 23% they are much worse off under Biden than they were under Trump. But that's okay. Biden will keep going out there and lying to the American people and telling the American people that they are all better off because Trump is out of office when we all know this to be false, fake information. And now the U.S. Treasuries are not safe. An economy warning was issued after Moody's downgrades Biden's rating to negative. A U.S. economy warning has been issued by an expert stating treasuries are no longer safe following Moody's analytics change in the outlook of Biden's government from stable to a solid negative. The rating agency downgraded this president's government on Friday, saying the U.S. fiscal debts are expected to remain very large, meaning debt affordability will weaken significantly. Moody's barely maintained the United States AAA rating, but warned that it may be cut very soon, especially if Bidenomics continues. Moody's provides risk assessment services for large firms and organizations, and they warned that the continued political polarization in the U.S. government poses a risk, as Congress will not be able to reach a consensus on a fiscal plan to show the decline in debt affordability. E.J. Antoni is a research fellow and a public finance economist at the Heritage Foundation, and he is issuing a warning for consumers. He warns that an explosion of household debt and higher interest rates have dramatically raised families' borrowing costs, as well as small businesses and large businesses. He says the American consumer is hitting a wall. After accumulating over a trillion dollars in credit card debt and depleting trillions of dollars in savings under Bidenomics, families have no room left in their budgets. They're cutting back spending to cope with the cost of living crisis created by Biden's inflation. Runaway federal spending, including pet projects like so-called green energy programs, has made multi-trillion dollar deficits a structural problem for the U.S. and has been the direct cause of Biden's inflation. Prices have risen so much faster than earnings that the typical American family has lost $5,400 in annual purchasing power each year under the Biden administration, leaving far less funds available for discretionary spending. The explosion of household debt and higher interest rates have also drastically increased families' borrowing costs by over $2,000 since Biden took office. Combine that with the losses from Biden's inflation, it is the equivalent to a family in 2021 January taking a $7,400 cut in their annual income. And that was just the first year of Bidenomics. This all, of course, comes as another political potential shutdown of the federal government draws near with just less than a week for Republicans and Democrats to reach a breakthrough on funding. Should they fail to approve a stopgap, because we know they won't issue an actual budget, services offered by the government will either end or be severely limited. Of course, Biden, who touted Moody's when he was coming up with fake numbers early in his presidency, is now saying they disagree with Moody's decision to downgrade their rating for Joe Biden's government. The decision followed two other major agencies, Fitch 
and the Standard & Poor organization also downgrading their ratings for Joe Biden's government. According to the October Treasury statement, gross interest on the U.S. debt was nearly $90 billion, which equates to 40% of all income taxes collected. It's no wonder people are cutting back spending. They have no choice, and investors are waking up to the reality that the federal government will one day be able to no longer pay its bills. And that day will probably come much sooner than previously thought. The government will either skip bond payments or implicitly default by inflating away its debt, which is what it has been doing since Biden took office. Bondholders are receiving dollars that are only worth 83 cents now compared to what the value of those dollars were when they were originally lent. It's like Biden's Treasury Department decided to repay only 83 cents on the dollar of what they promised. The question is not why Moody's downgraded the outlook on U.S. debt, but why Moody's hasn't already downgraded the debt itself. If the last three years under Joe Biden's and Bidenomics rules have taught us anything, it is that U.S. Treasuries, Treasury bonds, are not a safe bet. But don't worry, Biden's still spending more money. And his migrant crisis is costing you over $451 billion, according to a Republican report. Nearly half a trillion dollars has been spent because the Biden administration is simply not doing their job of stopping illegal immigrants at the southern border. The cost of providing education, health care, law enforcement, food, shelter, and all the other things resulting from the millions of illegal immigrants that Biden has allowed into the country is adding up to $451 billion per year, according to the House of Representatives study. The 49-page report came as the House Republicans continue to try and push for impeachment of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas for failing to constrain the record numbers of illegal immigrants trespassing into the United States of America. In this report, it says every day millions of American taxpayer dollars are spent on costs directly associated with illegal immigration and the unprecedented crisis at the southwest border sparked by Mayorkas' policies. Mass illegal immigration, accelerated by Mayorkas' open border policies, now represent a massive cost to the federal government, as well as state governments, and the pocketbooks of private businesses and citizens. Joe Biden's administration has grappled with record numbers of migrants crossing illegally, a trend fueled by even more people now fleeing political chaos in Haiti, Nicaragua, Venezuela, Cuba, and other nations. This is a disaster, my friends. Since Biden took office in January of 2021, U.S. Border Patrol Customs and Border Protection and Immigrations and Customs Enforcement agents have made more than 5 million arrests of illegal, criminal, law-breaking, trespassing, invading migrants at the southern border, and as many as 5 to 15 times that many have gotten away. Many claim asylum at the border and then travel north looking for work in sanctuary cities like New York, Washington, and Chicago. And those cities are reeling from having to spend hundreds of millions of dollars on the new arrivals. Mayor Eric Adams of New York, a Democrat, said the influx will destroy the city. But you see, Joe Biden doesn't care. And the Democratic Party as a whole doesn't care. Because their hope, their prayer, their betting the farm on the desire for all of these illegal immigrants to simply vote 
Democrat. The U.S. and state governments spend about $182 billion annually to provide services and benefits to non-legal aliens and their dependents, and that is only partially offset by $31 billion in taxes that are collected. There are an estimated 15.5 non-legal aliens living in the U.S. that we know of. Joe Biden has allowed this to happen, and it is costing us to the tune of $451 billion per year. Think about that, my friends. Over four years, that's $2 trillion of your tax dollars. And God help us if Biden gets reelected. You think the floodgates are open now? If he gets reelected, the floodgates will be open forever. But don't worry. White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre, the French dip, the quota hire, the woman who is unqualified to do the job and proves that each and every time she opens her mouth, the woman who was hired because she checked off three boxes on Joe Biden's diversity list, black, female, and lesbian, she is defending Joe Biden's so-called efforts to secure the border, stating that he has done everything he can. But she's been getting slammed for making that claim because critics are accurately pointing out the record numbers of migrant crossings. Jean-Pierre also mentioned the president's comprehensive immigration plan, and she thinks Republican lawmakers should work with him if they're serious. She said, look, you know, on day one, the president had put forward a comprehensive immigration plan, legislation for Congress to take a serious look at and to work with him on getting that done. Well, that's not really how she speaks, but that's my accent for her. We had a broken immigration system. It's been broken for decades now. And the president have do everything he can on his own to try and figure out how to deal with what is going on at the border. My friends, nothing more than lies, lies, lies coming from the White House and their spokespeople. But it's not fair for me to just do the Corrine Jean-Pierre accent without letting you hear it for yourselves. Look, I, you know, on day one, the president put forward an, a comprehensive immigration uh, plan, uh, <clears throat> legislation for Congress to take a serious look at and to work with him on getting it that done. We have a broken immigration system. It's been broken for decades now. Uh, and the president has done everything that he can on his own to try to figure out how do we deal with what's going on at the border. Absolute lie. He's done everything he can. He simply needed to finish building the wall. He simply needed to deploy troops to the southern border. He simply needed to do what he is supposed to do. Protect and defend the United States from all of our enemies, foreign and domestic. But it's okay. He's probably much more concerned right now about jail time for him, his wife, his brothers, his son, his grandchildren, his nieces, his nephews, his daughter-in-law. The Biden's been accused of financial wrongdoing and House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer is now making more allegations as the investigation continues. Jim Comer is the chairman of the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability. He revealed significant developments recently in the ongoing investigation into the Biden crime family and now has started to issue subpoenas against members of the Biden crime family, including Hunter Biden. The complexity of the bank records, the shell companies, and all of the fact that these people have used Joe Biden's name in an influence peddling scheme, taking tens of millions of dollars from foreign adversaries and from companies who intend to do harm to the United States of America, 
Joe Biden, we know for a fact, has received over 40000 in laundered money from China. That's right there in his, uh, in his portfolio. $200,000 from Jim Biden, from Jim Biden to Joe Biden, sourced from AmeriCorps, the now defunct healthcare company. And nobody bothered to check in with the IRS on that, did they? No, all of Biden's departments have been told, look the other way. And now that the bank records are in the possession of the House Oversight Committee, they are moving closer and closer to possible impeachment and certainly indictments against the president, his wife, his brothers, his children, and even some of his grandchildren. Having the bank records is a solid foundation against the Bidens. And now having it in their possession allows them to ask specific questions with hard evidence like bank statements during future questioning sessions. The interview highlights the cooperation between the Oversight Committee and the Judiciary Committee, thankfully run by Republicans this time around, with the hopes that impeachment, indictment, and imprisonment will be coming the way of every single participating member of the Biden crime family. I can't wait for it to happen, my friends. I just can't wait. Toyota chairman, who was hesitant to embrace electric vehicles, says people are finally seeing reality. And I told you so. American manufacturers of cars and worldwide manufacturers of cars are now reducing electric vehicle production. Why? Declining American demand for those little crap boxes. Toyota Motors chairman Aikido Toyoda, T-O-Y-O-D-A, who has been a proponent of hybrid vehicles, is now saying, I told you so. People are finally seeing a reality. Sorry. He said, I told you so. People are finally seeing reality. There are many ways to climb the mountain that is achieving carbon neutrality. He believes that achieving carbon neutrality can be done through various means, not just through electric vehicles, which have proven to be not as reliable, not as fuel efficient, not as green as everyone is claiming on the left. He reiterated that he does not believe that all electric vehicles will be adopted as quickly, and he thinks that hybrids are the way to go. Personally, give me my big old honking F-250 diesel, and I will be happy. And that's all that matters. Let's talk about COVID-19 since we are into November, the month that the whole time this COVID crap was going on, everybody, they dreaded November. But now the Justice Department is posting new job ads looking for eight attorneys to defend the federal government in vaccination injury cases. New York Post's Miranda Devine says a COVID-19 vaccine reckoning is coming for the Department of Justice over those federal government mandates. Presumably the hiring spree for lawyers is an anticipation of a surge in COVID vaccine lawsuits that I warned you about a long time ago, as people were being forced by Joe Biden's government mandates to take the jab, the Fauci flu jab. And those people suffered serious side effects as a result. And those people are now trying to extract compensation from a system that is stacked against them. The office is currently expanding to address workload created by an increase in cases filed under the so-called Vaccine Act. That's what the ad reads. It was posted by the Torts branch of the Department of Justice on the USA Jobs website. 
This recruitment drive looking for attorneys comes on the heel of a little-noticed lawsuit filed in Louisiana last month by six vaccine-injured plaintiffs against the federal government. The suit aims to overturn the legal immunity that pharmaceutical companies like Pfizer and Moderna were getting on their COVID shots. Not that any of the lawyers involved expect Big Pharma to ever pay up, but at least if they win, it should force Congress to reform inadequate vaccine injury compensation schemes that were instituted as an alternative to suing drug companies out of existence. But those have not kept up with the times. Meanwhile, about 13,000 Americans who claim that the COVID vaccines caused them or their dead loved ones adverse reactions, such as the life-threatening heart ailments known as myocarditis or the debilitating immune disorder Julian Barr syndrome, remain in limbo after doing what they were told was the right thing, heeding government mandates to submit to the Fauci virus jab. The unaccountable, understaffed government tribunal that presides over the so-called countermeasures injury compensation program for vaccines administered under emergency measures is nothing more than a kangaroo court, according to the attorney Aaron Siri, a partner at the New York firm Siri and Gilmstad. Of the thousands and thousands of claims filed, they seem to just get lost. They're ignored. They're just denied on their face or they're caught up in years-long purgatory of government bureaucracy. The compensation, if any, is neither timely or adequate. Just six people have been compensated as of October this year out of more than 12,775 COVID injury claims submitted since January 31st, 2020, when the public health emergency was declared. Those lucky people got a whopping $2,148. Some of the victims died. Some of them are crippled. Some of them are maimed, mutilated. Of the 1,800 decisions made by that kangaroo court, only 72 people have been found eligible for compensation. The other 1,728 have all been denied. That means 96% of claims are unsuccessful and only 14% of the total claims have even been looked at or adjudicated. Among the plaintiffs in that Louisiana case is Emma Berkey. She was a healthy 18-year-old Nevada high school student when she received the Johnson & Johnson COVID vaccine in April 2021, and she suffered a devastating brain injury. Now, after three brain surgeries and thousands of hours of physical therapy, she struggles to walk, to write, to even wipe her own ass, to care for herself at all. The victim advocacy group REACT19, which has joined the plaintiffs, also represents a car wash technician from a small South Texas town named Ernest Ramirez. Ramirez Jr., the only son of Ernest Ramirez Sr., a healthy 16-year-old athlete who died of a heart attack five days after receiving his first Pfizer dose in April of 2021, know for a fact that it was the Fauci flu virus jab that killed his kid. Ramirez says, I've raised my boy since he was a baby. Me and my son have never been apart. He was my best friend. We got the Pfizer vaccine because I thought it was the right thing to do. It was like playing Russian roulette, though. My government lied to me. They said it was safe. Now I go home to an empty house. I love the hell out of my country, but I don't trust my government anymore. And yet Joe Biden still wants you to go out and get another jab and another jab and another jab. With over 650 million COVID jabs administered in the U.S., the tragic side effects suffered by these individuals 
may be rare, but it does not reduce the suffering of the victims and of their surviving families. The tragedy was an inconvenient truth for our government hell-bent on forcing Americans to take the jab whether they needed it or not, and the landmark free speech lawsuit Missouri v. Biden reveals the authoritarian links that authorities took to hide the actual truth. The truth was censored on social media at the behest of the federal government. Anyone who spoke out about the jab was demonized by the media as so-called conspiracy theorists and anti-vaxxers, which is actually defamation of character as far as I'm concerned. Siri, the attorney, pointed out the folly of branding his clients anti-vaxxers because they actually took the vaccine. How can that be a conspiracy? How can that be an anti-vaxxer? They took the jab! When Big Pharma gets immunity from being sued, the normal market forces that ensure that a product is safe are turned on their head. It stands to reason that greed may have a say in all of this, which I always said from day one, follow the money of these pharmaceutical companies, follow whether or not Fauci, Biden, or any of their friends or family members has any financial ties to the jab. There is no conspiracy theory here. There's only dead children, disfigured Americans, and a government trying desperately to hire lawyers to protect them from the litigation that is most certainly heading their way. Hey, it's the holiday season, everyone, and it's almost that time of year. But not everyone is in the holiday spirit, especially if you look at your wallet and see what Joe Biden's inflation has done to you, or if you look at your dwindling savings account or your high credit card bills. But don't worry, your government is going to protect you from evil holiday messaging. An email from a deputy city administrator in Wisconsin sent to employees is discouraging religious decorations in public buildings over the holidays. No, 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 you shall not have anything to do with Christ, who is the meaning of Christmas. The email was obtained by the media outlet Wisconsin Right Now, and it appears to come from the Wauwatosa Deputy City Administrator, Melissa Cantarero Weiss. It begins by asking city employees to create a welcoming and inclusive environment for all residents and visitors to our building, as well as to all of our co-workers. It then states that Christmas decorations are commonly seen throughout public counters at City Hall and reminds workers that not everyone celebrates the holiday. Well, guess what? I don't celebrate Blafrican American History Month, but it's shoved down my throat in every city hall, court building, police station, etc. Deal with it. It states that Christmas decorations are commonly seen throughout the public counters at City Hall and reminds workers that not everyone celebrates the holiday. With the reminder, the email then asks departments to refrain from using religious decorations or those solely associated with Christmas, such as red colors and green colors when decorating public spaces in city buildings. They would prefer neutral, inclusive decorations like snowflakes. <laughs> you can't make this up. Snow people, festive lighting, greenery, and an incorporation of colors like blue, green, and purple. Ms. Weiss' email states that her boss, the city administrator, Jim Archambo, is on board with the request. Wauwatosa is a city of about 48,000 people. The media outlet reports those receiving the email have suggested the city's priorities have gone askew, particularly when there are more pressing matters at hand. She says that December is the city hall busiest month and many residents visit in person to pay their property tax bills. Now I'm going to give you the salaries 
the city director, what was this title? I believe it was the city administrator, Mr. Archambo, earns $184,794. That was in the year 2022. This guy makes more money than a U.S. senator. Ms. Weiss earned nearly $140,000, and neither of those positions are elected positions. And neither Archambo or Weiss would respond to my request for commentary on the matter. Why would you want to answer to the public? I don't understand. Finally today, migrants are refusing to stay in the tent shelters built for them after they've been bused to Brooklyn. Furious migrants are refusing to stay in tent shelters set up for them in New York City, at great expense, by the way, to the taxpayer, because they say they prefer the plush hotels they were living in in Manhattan. And they feel that, well, since that's where we put them, that's where they have the right to stay till they die. A group of so-called asylum seekers were being bused to the Floyd Bennett Field in Brooklyn on Sunday. The site is part of a national park located in the southeastern part of the New York City borough of Brooklyn, and it is expected to hold about 2,000 people. They were immediately loaded, however, back onto a bus because they claimed they had jobs in the city and their schools for their children were in Manhattan. And so, after spending thousands and thousands of dollars on fuel, the buses turned around and brought them back to Manhattan. That is how the Democrats run the government. And you think they should be re-elected? Oh, my friends, the truth hurts. And hopefully, come election time, it will hurt the Democrats. That's all the time I have for this edition. Go out there and make it a great day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. Copyright 2023, the Truth Hurts Program Network, all rights reserved. Background music courtesy of Jason Shaw and Audionautics. This program was pre-recorded.